What's up, guys? This is Mackenzie, and you're listening to the Enlighten Me podcast. Today, I have a super special episode in store for you with my new friend, Brianne Johnson. Brianne is a wife and a mom that is a new resident to the town of Waco, Texas. A lot of you have probably heard about Waco lately as it's newly popular thanks to Fixer Upper, but what's great for Brianne is that it is becoming more and more conducive to small businesses, much like Brianne's own small business called Salt and Light Trading Co. That's what we're talking about in this episode the online boutique that Brienne and her husband run together that is devoted to fair trade and ethically made fashion. This is a topic that I've talked a lot about recently, but it's something that I never grow tired of learning about. All of us are consumers, and our consumer habits have an effect on the world, and so it's so important to be thinking about how we can use those for the better. That's what Brienne and I chat about in this episode. We're talking about what it looks like to support fair trade fashion and why it matters, her inspiration for starting her business, which was based out of being a missionary in the Amazon, and how her eyes were open to this need. Brienne gives a lot of practical advice to those of us who would like to support fair trade fashion, but maybe can't do it all the time. So how can we still be conscious consumers? Well, that's the question that Brienne is answering today. We also talk all about her journey as an entrepreneur, which you're going to love hearing about. It's going to encourage you because this girl is seriously a go-getter. I swear there is nothing she can't do, which is super encouraging for me to see. Like I said, Brienne gives a lot of awesome advice and a lot of great resources, and I've written them all down for you in the show notes, so don't worry about writing them down yourself. Just sit back and listen to this episode with Brienne because it is going to impact the way you think about shopping, and you definitely want to go buy something from Salt and Light afterwards. So enjoy and get ready to be enlightened. All right. Hey, Brienne, what's up? Hey, Mackenzie. Thanks for having me. Thanks for coming on. I'm excited to talk with you. Can you start with just introducing yourself to everybody? Yeah, my name is Brianne Johnson, and I founded an online boutique that focuses in fair trade and ethically made clothing called Salt and Light Trading Company. I recently celebrated seven years of marriage with my husband uh, this past May, and then we have two kids, Ezra, he is three, and Mila is two, a little girl. Um, so life keeps me busy trying to run a business and keeping track of a family with two crazy toddlers. Thankfully, they're not here right now. Otherwise, you would not be able to hear me talking <laughs> um, or just I'd probably be telling them to not jump off the couch a yeah. hundred times. <laughs> and then in addition to the business, I also well, yesterday I launched that I'm starting photography. It's something that I've done for a while but just decided like, hey, I don't think it's going anywhere. So why not make it something that I can uh, make money off of also? And then, yeah. and it's my passion. So, or yeah. a passion of mine, I feel like I'm multi, multi-passionate. Yeah. Like I have lots of passions. Yeah. Um, and then I also have my own podcast. Yeah. What's your podcast called? It is called the Dreamer and Doer Podcast. Um, so my kind of focus with that is just interviewing other dreamers um, and what they're doing about their dreams. And I feel like it covers a wide range of people because I don't think dreaming is always this like big world changing idea. I think it can be on a smaller scale too, like just affecting your, we'll say local, but even more local, like just your family. Mm-hmm. Um, so family, your c- local community, and then globally around the world. Okay. That's wonderful. And I think you launched your podcast like right around the same time my first episode launched. So that was fun to watch you while I was doing it too and sharing the struggles. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Definitely fun and challenging. Yeah. And sometimes, I don't know, I feel a little overwhelmed by it at times, but it's still a lot of fun. I love interviewing people. And I think the hardest part is just like nailing down interviews and making the time for it. Yeah. Yeah, I would say I agree with that. And the hardest part for me is probably the editing. But you were saying before we started recording that your husband helps you with that. So that must be nice. Yes. (laughs) Um, That's great. And you also are telling me that you guys just moved. I feel like people would love to hear about where you're living now. Oh, yeah. I don't even think I mentioned where we live. Uh, We live in this uh, newly popular town called Waco, Texas. Yeah. 
made famous by Fixer Upper and Chip and Joanna Gaines, but I feel like they've been in the news for many other things besides Chip and Joanna also. But yeah, we absolutely love it here. I grew up coming here. I've begged my husband for years to move here before Waco is the cool place to be. I'm pretty sure his words were, no, we're not moving there. There's nothing to do. Yeah. (laughs) Um, It's really just kind of blown up over the past five years or so. Um, It's been really neat to watch. We mainly moved here because small businesses really have the opportunity to thrive here. People seem to value either handmade or small businesses. They value that sort of work rather than mainstream chain restaurants or chain stores, that sort of thing. Um, Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. And have you run into Chip and Joanna yet around town? I have not. They're pretty elusive. I'm pretty sure they have like a bodyguard yeah. <laughs> security. And yeah, I don't even think they come out into Waco very much anymore. Oh. And if they do go to like any of their stores, it's like days they're closed. Yeah. Now there's another um, shop here called Heart Design Co. Okay. If you watch Fixer Upper, Clint Hart did like a lot of the woodworking for a lot of the different houses on like for more furniture, I think like islands, coffee tables, yeah. farm tables, right. all that sort of thing. And so now they have him and his wife have their own shop called Heart Design Co. And they're now on the DIY network oh. with a show called Woodworking. I think. Oh, that's cool. Um, yeah. And so I just did a home show for a local photographer here at her beautiful home. Like if you're on Instagram, you'll have to go see pictures of it because it's beautiful. Okay. But Kelly Harp came and she's the wife to Clint Harp and she bought a couple of things from Salt and Light. And then she asked me to host like a pop-up shop at Harp Design Co. Oh my gosh. Um, so it's kind of like a landmark place that people also come to. I say landmark, not a landmark. What's the word I'm looking for? Touristy place now. Yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> people want to go see Harp Design Co. I think their house was one of the first fixer-upper houses too that aired on the show. And so, yeah, that would... I think will be a really good opportunity for us to grow and get our name out there. So I'm excited. Yeah. That who knows you could end up with a show on the DIY network after all this. (laughs) (laughs) That's so cool. That feels like meeting a celebrity probably. I know. Well, I didn't really know who she was at first. And then I started picking up. I was like, Oh, okay. Yeah. I do know who that is. This is a really good opportunity. It's just been crazy. Ever since we moved to Waco, like there's just been all these different things that have happened that just make us not doubt that we're supposed to be here. Yeah. Even though like it's really hard, like moving to a new place is not easy. You said yourself you're about to move. It's just, it has its challenges. And for us, we moved from all of our family, kind of a crazy move, I guess, to outsiders. They're like, why would they move? They Both their parents lived there. They had babysitters for their kids. Um, all of our friends, everything we've ever known, which this is not the first time we've done this either. So it also is not surprising to many people who know us to make a move like this. But I guess to most people, it wouldn't make sense. But also being here, we're halfway between two big cities in Texas, Dallas and Austin, it's only an hour and a half from each, so we can easily travel for vendor events or home shows, and we're not driving four-plus hours like we used to. Yeah, that's great. Well, I love it, and I was telling you we're about to head your way for a little fun trip, so I'm I excited know. to check Waco out and hopefully meet up with you. Yes, I would love that. Yeah, totally. Let's uh, talk more just about your company, and I I would just love to hear kind of the journey of how you started it because it's not it's not very old, right? No, we're still uh, we haven't even reached a year yet. Okay, but it's grown really quickly. Yeah, and it has grown. It's really. been awesome. Yeah, that's great. So yeah, just why don't you tell us kind of about your journey with what made you want to start it and how it all came to be and just everything about it. <laughs> I always love telling this story, but it's really hard to take out pieces that I feel like are crucial, yeah. but it can be really long. Okay, so like okay. I said, I'm multi-passionate, yeah. right? And one of those multi-passionate ideas led me to doing a fitness instructor training. And so I did this fitness instructor training with a ministry called Revelation Wellness in 2016. 
And so it was like a nine week course. And then we went to Arizona for five days in the mountains and had this retreat. And it was absolutely beautiful um, and just kind of a life changing week. Um, I grew up going to summer camps and stuff and I loved it. Like I loved going to summer camp every summer. So I felt like this was summer camp, but for adults, <laughs> Yeah. but really intense, learned a lot, but we were in these groups. I feel like you're probably like, where's this going? But it makes sense <laughs> because this was like pivotal moment. Okay. <laughs> um, I spent a week with, I think 12 other women in a cabin. And then, so we just spent a week doing life together going through a life-changing experience together. And I feel like when that happens, you just connect on a deeper level really quick, quickly. I actually still keep in contact with all these girls today. But the last activity we did, they had us write our name at, at, at the top of a piece of paper. And then for 30 seconds, everyone in your group just began to speak words over you or things they saw in you. And you just had to listen to them say all these words, which is really powerful because they could see things in me that maybe self-doubt or other things like just lies that I believed about myself had clouded those things. Mm -hmm. And so I'll never forget one of the girls said entrepreneur. And it just was one of those moments where the whole room just kind of goes quiet. And you're like, what that, what me? No, there's no way I, I couldn't do that. And so I walked away from that retreat and entrepreneur was just stuck in my head. Mm. And so as I kind of reflected on that, I started to think about all these times that I did have an entrepreneurial spirit. And so one example, I just, I kept having all these examples come to mind. One being when I was in fifth grade, no, no, not fifth grade. Like I was seven years old. I was really young. I couldn't spell <laughs> at all. <laughs> and I had this idea to make bracelets and I was going to sell them. And I was going to give the money towards the Lottie Moon Christmas offering at our church. Aww. And my mom actually saved this piece of paper that I wrote that bracelets were for sale on. Um and I think I found it right after we started Salt and Light. And I, it was just kind of one of those things like, you're doing exactly what you were always meant to do. Yeah. Um, so there was that incident. And I remember in high school, I had a journal full of a coffee shop I was going to open. I knew exactly what building it was mm-hmm. going to be in in our town, like all these different plans for it. And ironically enough, I had the idea that we were going to buy coffee from like farmers in South America that were going to be paid well, not knowing what any of this meant and that we were going to like give back to a children's home. And then my husband and I, we started dating when I was in high school. I was at the end of my junior year of high school. So we just celebrated 10 years of being together in addition to being married for seven. So we were babies. Yeah, (laughs) We've done a lot of growing up together And my senior year, we started like a nonprofit. Um, It was called Changing Tides. So clearly I've also always loved the beach. Um, And it was all about like sharing your story so that you could save someone else's life or help them. And then our purpose behind it was raising money to buy like vitamins and supplements for a children's home that I had worked with in the Amazon. Mm. So yeah, once I started realizing all these things, I was like, oh my gosh, I think I might actually be an entrepreneur first (laughs) to maybe there's a business I'm supposed to start. And so that kind of started my journey of like, I know I'm going to start a business, but I have no idea what it's going to be. So come April of 2017, I decided I was going to do some serious soul searching before my next birthday. And so I spent three weeks just like, thinking and praying about and journaling just thoughts like, what can I do? What are my passions? What do I want to do? And so I remember just like all of a sudden the idea came to me of starting a boutique. And I was like, I don't consider myself a fashionable person, but (laughs) it has also been a term that people have used to describe me. Um, I remember also being against like whatever was on trend growing up. Um, (laughs) And just kind of like wearing what I wanted, what I liked. And so I just, 
I don't know. It was also kind of a time where I wasn't a huge fan of styles that I was seeing in the stores. I could never find anything. And so I told Kendall about the idea and he was like, okay, let's do it. If you think you can do it, let's do it. Mm. Um, But I also knew I wanted the focus to be around ethically made clothes and fair trade clothing. It had been a subject that was slowly coming around and softening my heart. Like I used to just turn my ear away from it, like turn my ear from it. I didn't want anything. I didn't want to know. Like I just wanted to bury my head in the sand and be oblivious to it because I thought if I was oblivious to it, it would make it okay for me to continue shopping fast fashion. So once we kind of had that idea, I was like, where do we even buy clothes like this? I would say we began researching like manufacturers and wholesalers that were based around ethically made clothes or fair trade. And given we can't, I guess, can't say all of them are fair trade because we do work with some smaller companies. It takes a lot of money to be considered fair trade. To get the certification for that, you mean? Yes, to get the seal of like fair trade certification. But working on a personal level with wholesalers that we know are doing the right thing, regardless of having the fair trade stamp or another one to look for is B Corp. Right, B Corp, yeah. Um, They're even more strict than fair trade. Okay. But like I said, it takes a lot of money to be that. So. Really, we started looking for made in the USA products too, because if we couldn't, I mean, once you get into an area that's this niche, 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 is that how you say it? Yeah, I can never remember. I'm never confident niche. on that one. <laughs> I know. <laughs> you should just keep that so because nobody knows I bet. Okay. A niche. Niche. That's how I usually say niche. Niche. Yeah. yeah. So it makes our products and what we can choose really small. And hard to choose from. So while there's like definitely styles I want to carry, I like we'll see it. And of course, it's made in China or another place that can get really sketchy on how they're made. Yeah. So eventually, we want to design our own products. Yeah. But we're just kind of starting slow. We don't. We try to stay as debt free as possible. And so we want to be able to like cash flow everything and save up for that sort of thing rather than just taking out a loan. Sure. Yeah. Um, thankfully we were in like a good spot financially when I had the idea. Uh, so back to that, Yeah. <laughs> had the idea in April and by my birthday, which was three weeks later, we were in LLC. And then after just wow. forming all that, it took a while. We spent that summer kind of looking at products, figuring out who we we're going to buy from setting up wholesale accounts, like things that are just really tedious, but you have to do. And dreaming of what, you know, what we wanted our brand to be like, the logo, all that. We did everything ourselves. Um, So either I, so either my husband or myself, we uh, have done everything from the photography to the website to the logo design, every, literally everything. We have not outsourced anything at this point besides who makes our clothes. Yeah. So it's been quite the journey. Uh, We had plans to launch last August. And then this wonderful thing called Hurricane Harvey came through, which was not so wonderful and just completely wrecked our town. Because you were living in Houston at the time or the surrounding area? uh, About 90 miles east of Houston. Mm -hmm. So we lived in a little town called Nederland at the time. And our area just got rain for five days straight. So not the, uh, I don't know, the hurricane (laughs) went back into the ocean and made landfall again. So when it made landfall the second time, it hit where we were. Oh, wow. So we received the rain from the first landfall and then the rain from the second landfall. And so by the second landfall, people were having to be rescued out of their homes. Yeah. With boats and high winds, like they couldn't even make rescues. It was just insane. It's I can't even describe it because it doesn't even feel real still. Like I'll never forget my Facebook feed, just like blowing up with people begging for to be rescued um, or like saying the water went from no water in their house up to their waist within just a matter of hours or less minutes really. Um, So my, our town was just kind of in shambles for a while. And so it was, 
really hard to start a business in the middle of a natural disaster. So yeah. I decided to wait until people started to get back on their feet. Yeah. I actually had planned to do the photo shoot for the website the day the hurricane hit. Oh so um, I had to postpone all that. But anyway, the timing always works out because I really liked when we ended up launching officially. It seemed to fit the best like everything just kind of fell into place at that point didn't feel like we were fighting against anything yeah so yeah now we've just been working on growing it and finding more fair trade or ethically made manufacturers or made in the usa lots and lots of research which doesn't always feel like you get anything done which then in turn in turn makes it really discouraging at times yeah, absolutely. Wow, that's what a crazy journey it has been for you guys. That's insane. I know. And that was like barely scratching the surface because I didn't even talk about that we were missionaries in the Amazon, <laughs> um, which is kind of what started it. Yeah. So I, I wanted to ask you. Yeah. So did you guys actually lived in the Amazon? Yes, we lived in Colombia. Okay. So we lived in Colombia, but Brazil was literally like four blocks from our house. And then all we had to do to get to Peru was to get in a boat and cross the river. And then we'd be in Peru. So we lived, it was called the Tres Fronteras. So the three borders. Um, So we kind of spent about equal time in all three, mainly Colombia, but we spent time in all three countries for long periods of time also. Yeah. And so ever since we moved back from the Amazon, like I could go even more into how that period of my life was kind of devastating for me because I've always been a dreamer and a visionary. And I thought I was going to live overseas and be a missionary my whole life. And I thought I was going to do that from like the age 10. So when we came back to have our son, I was like, okay, we're just going to have our son and then we'll move back. And then we got pregnant (laughs) with our surprise number two. And so once we had her, it just didn't feel right to go back anymore. Sure. Yeah. And so... I had a really hard time like adjusting to being a mother, yeah. but also to like being in the States. Um, it took me a long time to have the desire to stay here and be here and be invested into the people in my life because I had, I don't it's kind of like a stage of grieving, I guess. Yeah. There was some grief, like just, I guess, more of a hurt of that these people in this place that I love so much isn't a place that I get to call home like I thought I would. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like grieving a dream dying in a way, yeah. like just changing. Yeah. Which I know there's worse things, but like that was a big deal for me. Um, yeah. And as the time went on, we came back in 2014. I just, I started realizing there were other ways that I could be a part of what's going on in the Amazon, even though I'm mm-hmm. here in the United States. And so with our boutique, we give back 10% of all sales to a children's home that we worked with in the Amazon. Mm, that's so cool. So yeah, it feels, I like that we can be a part of it. And I know we'll talk a little bit more about this, but I just like being a part of it, even though we're here. Yeah. It still makes us connected. Yeah, absolutely. And now you actually, do you have clothes coming from the Amazon now too? No, we tried Well, we had like a meeting earlier this year with some of our friends that were also missionaries there. They're the ones that run the Grace House with some locals, but now live in Texas also. Okay. But there's no shipping system set up at all. Like when we lived there, we couldn't even get a piece of mail. I don't know how they do live. Yeah. (laughs) So there would just be (laughs) no way to get products from there. Okay. Um, without like flying down to get them. Yeah. And so that gets expensive. Sure. So we're, and if they're using like Amazon, anything from the Amazon, you have to get the green frog, like rainforest certification. Oh, okay. And that would be a whole nother process. And so it was just one of those things like, let's keep it on the table. Yeah. Let's make Someday. it a dream. Maybe one day. Yeah. yeah. That's great. Yeah. Okay, cool. Wow. That is quite the journey. And I think it's really cool how you became passionate about ethical fashion, fair trade fashion, and all that kind of stuff. And I want to talk more about that just since not everybody Mm -hmm. listening got to live, you know, in the Amazon or be a missionary or, you know, even just grew up hearing about this stuff. So let's talk more about that. And uh, let's just start by 
I want you to kind of define ethical fashion in your own terms. Like how would you describe it to someone that had never heard that before? All right. For me personally, I started looking at my clothes in a way of like, with this purchase that I made, did it better someone's life or did it make it worse? Like, yes, someone may have a job making clothes, but are they getting paid to make the clothes? Because I realized like I'm a perpetual bleeding heart. I always want to help people. And so is like my desire and want to look cute and clothing worth having someone else's life be in survival mode. You'll hear me on our Instagram always say, um, create a thriving world. And first that, uh, that phrase kind of hit me personally. Cause I remember being like in the trenches of early motherhood and my quote to, to get through the day would be, I, I don't want to just survive. I want to thrive. Yeah. And so then I started realizing like there's people all over the world that are just surviving. Yeah. And I want to see them thrive too. And so I remember having a friend trying to tell me about like slave made clothes and just people not getting paid fair wages, which fair wages means a lot of different things. Um, I would say the most common is when you're buying fair trade from another place, they are being paid more than what the minimum wage of that country is. Mm -hmm. And oftentimes well, well above that minimum wage. And so artisans we worked with, not only are they having a job, but they're also making enough now that they can either pay for their education or their child's education. They can buy a house, that sort of thing. So they're really being paid a wage that they can start to thrive on and not just survive on, if that makes sense. I don't know if that answers the question. Yeah, no, it does. (laughs) But that's what it, I guess, means to me, my thought of it and why I think it's important. And that's not to say like, I don't shop at Target every now and then. I try to be open and honest. Like sometimes there's a piece of clothing that I just really want that I can't find that's made fair trade. Right. Or like sometimes I can't afford it and I get that. But I try to shop secondhand first. Yeah. So it's not feeding into the need to supply more of this fast fashion. Yeah. Or so like using Poshmark or thrifting. I'm the worst thrifter ever. I never have any luck thrifting clothes. (laughs) Um, So I usually, I am in some Facebook groups and stuff and I'll buy clothes that other people are getting rid of. I would say the hardest thing to find is jeans. Yeah. But I think jeans are just hard to find in general because getting into this clothing business, I have seen how like one piece of clothing can fit multiple women so differently. So it's just most of the fair trade jeans I found are online and I'm super skeptical, skeptical about buying jeans yeah. online. So um, I just kind of have the bare minimum, yeah. you know, like one or two pairs that actually yeah. work and fit. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I think part of that is also just the minimalism of realizing mm-hmm. needs versus wants and, you know. Oh, for sure. We kind of went through our own minimalism journey also with like everything. And so I really just got down to like only buying things that I 100% love. Yeah. And that can work in other ways. So my wardrobe is very much filled with blue and white stripes. That's probably my most notable thing to wear. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Anything blue, olive green, and any shade of blue really. Yeah. And black. (laughs) Yep. Hey, you got to know what you like. I mean. Yeah. I think, and it helps to shop when you know what you like. That way you're not just buying needless things that you don't really need. And are you really going to wear it? No. Yeah. Well, something I've wondered about kind of bouncing back to the fair trade thing, like you were Uh saying, just because a company doesn't have the fair trade certification doesn't mean it's a bad company, right? It might just be that it's taking them a while to get that certification. But would you say that, I guess I want to know how you think we should look for clothing. Like, do you think it's safe to assume that if a company isn't talking about how their clothes are being made, that they're probably not being made ethically? I, this is kind of how I go about shopping. 
Um, I always check the care tag inside the shirt because there you'll get the company of origin or the country of origin. Uh-huh. And so usually if it's made in like China, Bangladesh, Vietnam, any sort of the usually Asian countries, they're probably not going to be made in a, in a safe working condition. And they're probably not getting paid fair wages okay. because when you think about how much a and I would say it goes off the price too. I feel like you can tell a lot with that. So especially now that I'm a business owner, I can look at something and say like, well, if this is their markup and that means they bought it for this. So they bought it for $3 and they're selling it for 12, whatever it is. Then that means the person who made it probably isn't getting paid a lot of money sure. out of the $2, you know, yeah. for them to yeah. buy it whole, wholesale. So I don't know. It just varies. You kind of have to do your own research and figure out what you're comfortable with and, and buying. I mean, major corporations, they're most likely not ethically made because they're yeah. mass producing something. Yeah. Um, so it's best, I would say, to just shop small or secondhand or ask me and I can try and figure out yeah. <laughs> if they are making them ethically yeah. or fair trade. So Yeah. No, those are good tips. So I was thinking for people who are maybe listening and are like, I don't even care about clothes. Like I'm even thinking of my husband here. Like he doesn't shop. Like I pretty much do his shopping. So how would you say this applies to people who are like, oh, I I don't care. Like I don't care about fashion. I'm not into shopping. This doesn't apply to me. But I feel like this conversation of thinking about just consuming in general, we're all consumers in ways, whether it's food or clothes or just objects, how does this apply to greater things other than fashion? I would say just like being mindful of your purchasing yeah, um, and who you're purchasing from. And like, honestly, you can get to just being obsessed to where it turns like a little bit snobbish. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> Like it doesn't become off genuine anymore. Yeah. Or like just burying in your, your head in the sand and not caring or like wanting to know at all or being open to it. Um, so I always tell people to just like, be mindful when you're spending your money, it's going towards something. And so you kind of get to vote what kind of world you want with where you put your money. Yeah. And so when you're feeding something, they're going to continue producing it. So if there's, it doesn't have to be fashion, but if there's something else that you're passionate about, like why not raise awareness about it or commit to purchasing, I don't know fair trade coffee, whatever it might be, just like one little thing that you can do. And I know budgets can be really hard to come into really hard to factor in with this sort of thing. And so just kind of, I don't know, I like to take a balanced approach to everything. And so, yeah, maybe I can't always purchase fair trade or ethically made things, whether that come be in my home or that, or my clothes or my food. It's not coming from like a farm for budget reasons. To just be mindful of it. So maybe like don't overspend. Don't buy something you don't have to have. Yeah. Keep it keep it minimal. We like we like keeping it minimal around here. <laughs> yeah, sure. No, I think that's great advice. And that's something I wanted to ask you too is how do you balance wanting to be a conscious consumer with also feeling normal still like you said like you don't want to be a snob or you don't you also this is a big lifestyle change for a lot of people like if you just all of a sudden stopped stop consuming things that weren't that didn't have fair trade certification that would be a really big lifestyle change so how do you (laughs) do that in a way that you still feel like you can be normal and it's not such a drastic change like it's more practical how how do you feel like people can bounce that out I'll go with fashion for an example of like starting to buy pieces that like just slowly replacing items in your closet that are better quality or like staple pieces that, you know, you could wear like maybe in the fall, in the winter, in the summer, kind of all seasons. Like it doesn't have to be, uh, I'm going to clean my whole closet out after this. Um, Like just buy a, a piece of clothing every now and then that, you know, you really love. Or like if you, know you're looking for, I don't know, a dress for a wedding. Like, could I buy that fair trade or ethically made? Because there's some non-fair trade ethically made clothes that are still pretty pricey. 
So why not look for one that is fair trade and ethically made if you're going to be spending the same amount of money? You know what I mean? Yeah. So it doesn't have to be a drastic change. And honestly, like if there's anything that I want you to take away is that it's a slow process. And if you do too much at once, you're going to get overwhelmed and you're going to quit. Um, yeah. So I'd rather people just kind of gradually make the move into purchasing ethically and fair trade because it is expensive. So maybe you have to actually save up for a piece of clothing where yeah. you're used to throwing down just $20 on something. But honestly, I got to the point where I was like, I'm tired of buying a $20 shirt four times because I put it in the wash or whatever it is. And it's like terrible after one wash and it, I have to go buy yeah. another shirt. And I was like, I'd rather buy more quality, more expensive pieces so that they hold up longer. Yeah. So then it kind of comes out to a quantity, quality over quantity. Yeah, absolutely. And I think you're right in that it's a gradual process. And I, I'm thinking of even food. Like, I think coffee was probably the first food item I started buying fair trade. And that's probably what most people think of. Like, I feel like that's one thing we hear of a lot is fair trade coffee. And that's mm-hmm. not that hard anymore. Like, even, I don't know, do you guys have Aldi in Texas? We do, but we okay. have, we literally just went for the first time last weekend. Oh my gosh. Did you love it? Well, I didn't go inside. My husband did. Oh, okay. It's <laughs> but we kind plan of, on shopping there now. Yeah. It's kind of a learning curve. I feel like you're, it's just different than a normal grocery store. So you have to figure it out. Yes. And like I, I, I went one. once in college a long time ago. Okay. Yeah. I remember the first time I went. I didn't have any bags or anything. And yeah. and my husband's like, oh, yeah, you have to use the boxes. And so we're like moving all the food around in the store to get a good box. And I'm like, this is weird. But then I, <laughs> you eventually figure it out. You're like, oh, yeah, I have to bring my quarter for my shopping cart and have to bring my reusable mm-hmm. bags. So after you get the hang of it, it's great. But anyways, they have – fair trade coffee there for like $4 for a bag, which I'm like, how is this fair trade? Like it's so cheap and it's probably not the greatest quality. Maybe like it probably doesn't taste right. the best out of all the coffees you could buy, but it's fair trade. And I'm like, this is awesome. So I feel like that was all, one thing. Aldi has their brand for everything, right? Like, is it all Aldi brand? Not it's, they have a, their own brand of everything, but they also carry some other brands too. So like with their cereal, it's all like their own brand, but it's like exactly, it looks like Cinnamon Toast Crunch, but it's just a different name. Like it looks the gotcha. exact same. But um, I think that's how like Trader Joe's gets away with things that are so cheap. Yeah. Or like cheaper also like Aldi, I always say it wrong, is they're not having these like big name brand exactly. things. Like they just make their own. Yeah. Yeah. So that, that probably helps it to be more affordable for sure. But I think, too, like chocolate, fair trade chocolate, that's another big one. And that one's hard, too, because, you know, if you bake a lot or anything and use chocolate chips, like it's hard to find fair trade chocolate chips. And that's something like I'm a huge advocate for buying fair trade. But that one (laughs) is one that's still hard for me. Like I and so I've kind of gone back to just like not making as much stuff with chocolate, which it's funny because people are like, really? And I'm like. Yeah, but I mean, it's kind of a better lifestyle to live if I'm not eating as much chocolate. Like, it's not like it's good for me, you know? So I feel like there's a lot of ways you could cut back and it feels really drastic. But if you do it gradually, it's really better for us too. And so I think, yeah, I don't know. All that to say it's gradual and it's a balance. And part of it is just reducing our consumer habits too. Target has really good, not like baking chocolate, but just chocolate in general they have several fair trade brands um my favorite is i think it's called dagoba dagoba something like that d-o-g-a-b-a and they're made in a like cooperative in africa and they're made by women which i really like fair trade and they have some interesting flavors there's like a chili lime chocolate oh. I don't like weird there's a lavender oh. chocolate but they're oh, really that good. good Ooh, I'm gonna have to try that <laughs> that's really cool yeah and so I guess with this conversation too part of it is centered around poverty because a lot of the places that we're getting our goods from are places that are living in poverty and so with that I think one thing that you're passionate about speaking on is why investing in businesses is better than just a donation. Like I'm sure you could tell us 
some stories from your time in the Amazon and and we might hear them and think, oh, that's so sad. But rather than buying a shirt, I would rather just give them money, give them a donation. So can you talk about why that's not always the most sustainable option or maybe the best option and why sometimes investing in a business like yours could be mm-hmm. even better than a donation? Yes. So this is one of my favorite subjects yeah. to talk about because I don't think people really understand the weight of our purchases and so, or purchasing versus donations, not that donations are a bad thing. Sometimes that's just what you have to do. But when you're making purchases, it creates a supply and demand. So whenever you continue to make purchases, especially from companies like mine or similar, we can keep employing artisans that are making your products. And in turn, that builds a thriving like local economy yeah. also. For me, I did see the effects of like what donations or a group of people relying on donations can have because then they have really no desire to do anything for themselves. Like why do they need to go work and get food when they know this group of people is going to come feed them every or give them food every Thursday, Yeah, whatever it may be. So while they're working, they're able to provide an income for their family. And it's just really empowering. Like I can even remember being little and like buying my first toy with my own money for the first time. Like I was so proud of myself. It made me want to do it again instead of asking my parents for it. And so that's kind of what starts to happen when we kind of empower these people to have a job and keep working and providing products. Like not only do they have a job that can sustain them. They also can take pride in knowing that they created something like with their own two hands and get paid for it. You know? Yeah. I mean, that's kind of what everyone I feel like here, maybe not everyone, but that's what a lot of people want to do is create and make money for what they're creating. And so it's kind of the same thing for them as well. Um, And then several of the organizations we work with, not only are they having jobs and uh, fair wages, they're also having access to like education programs or medical services, that sort of thing right. that they wouldn't have otherwise. Um, so really it's just the supply and demand of things. If people aren't asking for these artisan made products, they don't have jobs, yeah. but I would rather see it. It just creates a sustainable future. Yeah. So instead of just that short one-time donation or whatever it might be like, that doesn't help better their future. You don't want them to rely on you for the rest of their lives for money. Yeah, I would rather provide a job. So in turn, they have an income and then in turn, their future generations um, can thrive also. So maybe we won't see the effects right now, but maybe we can see it in the next generation or the next generation. We're going right. to start seeing that empowerment and sustainability last for their families also. Yeah, that makes total sense that that a job is always going to be more dependable than a donation is. And I think we would feel the same way. Like if I lost my job and, you know, like someone gave me a thousand dollars, that's really helpful for right now. But then what am I going to do the next month? Are are they going to give me a thousand dollars every month or or what's going to happen? Like a job would be way better because that's much more dependable income. And so I I even think about, too, we sponsor a child through Compassion International Mm -hmm. um, that lives in Indonesia. And obviously, we pay a certain amount every month to make sure that they are able to stay in school, that they get health care, that they get dental care, that they get protection from child slavery, all these things. Mm -hmm. And it's not money that's going directly to the child or to their family, but it's going to the organization that's helping the child, right? But every once in a while, you can give a gift. Like, you can send the child a birthday gift or wow. a Christmas gift or whatever, and it's mm-hmm. just money. And then the chi- I think the child gets to pick – like, they, they get a choice from a couple things. Like, um, one year he got a desk that he could study at at home, and one year he got a bicycle for fun. So they get, like, help – making a good decision with the money basically and I was like this is so cool like I love being able to send them a gift and it's like it's an investment into their future too you know yeah it totally is and 
I, I did get a message from Compassion International that was kind of saying, like, thank you so much for giving a gift. Like, we love that. But they also said that people will ask them, oh, I want to do this all the time. Like, can I just give them a gift every month or, you know, every couple months? And they, they said they advise against that because they don't want the child to start to become dependent on that and think that, oh, this happens all the time. Like, because right. that's not real life. Like, once they turn 18, they're they're not – completely on their own but they've graduated out of the program and the hope is that they can be depend like independent and if they've been getting gifts these random gifts their whole life like from me from a stranger and then they're cut off like that's not as dependable so that's one way to think about it too I feel like it's just like donations are great but they're not always going to be sustainable and I think that's really cool too just even as someone that loves shopping and is a consumer like it can actually be more helpful if I'm getting a cute shirt that I love rather than just sending off my money to someplace I don't even know and or even like buying my coffee fair trade every time I go shopping could be better than just giving a donation to a random organization and I mean I like shopping small when I can when I can because you know it's giving back to a family also like our family I mean that's our livelihood when, you know, like it's, you're not wondering like, Oh, I just spent all that money. Where did these human go to towards like yeah other small businesses, you know, like, Oh, well, Hey, mom and pop own that shop. Like that's going towards their kids getting their education. And yes, absolutely. That, not that it doesn't with the big corporations. It just, I mean, someone's clearly prop profiting oh, yeah. <laughs> and making more than the little people. Sure, are. Exactly. Yeah. That's why probably all the CEOs of those corporations are billionaires yeah. and and the people at the very bottom are absolutely not. No, I think that's great. And I love all the tips that you gave us. Like it's not, you're right. Like shopping fair trade is not always going to be an option for everybody because it is more expensive, but you can look for just shopping small or local or shopping secondhand. And I think those are all really practical options for us. So thank you for all your wisdom with that. Welcome. Um, Is there anything else you wanted to share? Anything else you wanted to talk about or a main (laughs) message you wanted to leave people with? I would say just know that your purchasing power makes a difference. Like your, your money, where you put your money, every dollar you spend is a vote for what you want our world to be. So if you continue shopping in certain ways, like just know it has an effect. But it's a little thing that can make a difference in the world. And so I don't want people to walk away feeling just discouraged or like that they can't be a part of it. But to be encouraged that what you spend money on makes a difference. Yeah. Okay. Can we do some fun questions now? Some more get to know you questions? Yes. Okay. What's some good advice you've gotten recently? I feel like I've had a lot. (laughs) But I would say main one right now just because life has felt really overwhelming at times and that I can tend to be someone who's like all or nothing. And so if I feel like I can't do it all, then I just want to do nothing and sleep and make it all go away. Yeah. But obviously that doesn't work. And so just doing what you can with what you have. Um, Hold on. I think I posted about this yesterday, actually. Oh yeah. On my Instagram all right, start where you are, use what you have, do what you can. And even though I've already started a business, it can still feel very overwhelming and like that I could easily quit or that there's just too much. And so whether you're just starting or you're still in the midst of it, sometimes the only thing you can do is to start. Um, It doesn't all have to be perfect and put together when you start. It's probably going to look messy and it's going to be hard and you're going to want to quit every day. (laughs) Uh, I can't tell you how many tears yeah. have been shed over this business, Yeah, but to just do what you can with what you have. And rarely is it ever going to just all line up and work together. And it's amazing. And all of a sudden you're a huge success. Like that's not what happens. We always see people's end of their journeys, like when they've made it and not the beginning and the hard work that was put in to get them there. And so I think that can kind of be discouraging on our social media world to see all these like big people who've made it yeah when we're just starting sure so just start where you are 
do what you can with what you have. Yeah. And don't compare your, your like right now. I've, I've heard this before. Don't compare your right now to someone else's mountaintop. I think it's something like yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like, because you're, you might be seeing the finished product, but you didn't see the years and years and years before that, that they put in. Yeah. So that's good advice. And you, you, you need the years and growth to be there. Yeah. Like, yeah. The reason it becomes successful is because you've walked through it and you've learned and you've grown. Cool. Do you have someone that you look up to as a role model? Oh, goodness. Right now, I really have enjoyed Jenna Kutcher. A lot of her, like, just business strategies and ways to grow Instagram. I feel like it just is, it's not dumb advice, but... (laughs) I don't always have a lot of time to invest into reading yeah. and researching. And so I feel like it's kind of in layperson terms and makes it easy. Like I can just quickly wrap my mind around it and put yeah. it into action. And so I guess someone, if I'm looking at someone who's made it like yeah, her. <laughs> totally. No, I listen to her podcast a lot. She is really, really helpful. And I, I agree. It's it's super easy terms to understand because a lot of the other business advice out there mm-hmm. is really businessy. And I'm like, wait, what about for the people who don't know anything about business? <laughs> so no. Yeah. Cause I'm, I don't, I don't know much. Yeah, exactly. No, I, I really like her. She's super cute. Oh, and my other one would probably be Jamie Ivy. <gasps> I love her too. Oh my gosh. I know. She's so good. I want to go see to her show. Or the live show. Yeah. I'm like, is it Tuesday? I think I'm apparently not on our uh, newsletter to buy tickets. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I need to change that. I, so they launch tomorrow. Yeah, yeah. Oh, wait. they d- Wait, she's having another one? Yes, in October. Oh, in October. Yeah. And now you're close mm-hmm. by because they're in Austin, right? I know. So I'm going. <laughs> okay. Good for you. Oh, my gosh. That sounds so fun. I love her. She has an awesome podcast also. I'll put links to both those because they are ones yes. I listen to habitually. And then my like, I guess my like fashion icon. Yeah. Um, which, like I said, I'm not super into fashion, so I don't keep up with the fashion world. I could honestly like, I know there's an art and all that, but no, I, I love that about I'm, you I'm, that you have a fashion company like, and you don't care. <laughs> yeah, I can't keep up with all of it. Yeah. Um, I know what I like, what I don't, but 100% love Blake Lively. Oh, love her. I love her style. Everything. So <laughs> that's about as fashiony as I get in the celebrity world. Yeah, she is really, really cute. <laughs> I do love her too. Um, okay, how about what's the most impactful book you've ever read? I'm going to go with most recent because it's been a long time since I've read consistently. But I read Dance, Stand, Run mm. by Jess Connolly. Oh, I've heard of her. Yeah, uh, this year. And it's definitely a book that I could like read over and over. It was, I feel like she just had such a balanced perspective to the Christian life. And I don't know, it was really good. I, it's been a couple months since I've read it. So I can't like think of anything offhand that was just life changing for me. Um, except for just like, there's freedom in it. And I like when things bring about freedom and you're not like chained to something, you know, like, I don't know. It was good. I like that one. I would suggest. I need to go find it because I'll read it again. Yeah, that sounds good. Hey, if you can read it multiple times, it must be a good book. Yes, and read it with kids. Oh, you can read it with kids? <laughs> well, like, be able to read and have kids running oh, around. Yes. Like, that's why I don't get to read very much yeah. because I can't get very far in a yeah. book. <laughs> yeah, I bet. What, when do you read normally? Like, do you just read before bed? Uh, if Before bed. And I am a reader. Like, I love to read. I'm a yeah. fast reader. But I just can't always get the chance to sit down either in the morning or before bed if I get a chance. But yeah, yeah my goal this year is to read a book a month. And I think I've read two books <laughs> this year. So like since the start we'll of 2018, you've read two books? <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> Someday you'll be I have to listen to some audio books and oh, that I sort of that thing. But, you know. <laughs> uh, yes. All right. Well, speaking of audiobooks, have you listened to anything recently that you think everybody needs to hear, like a book or documentary or anything like that? Um, really just, I love podcasts. Um, so, and I've mentioned two of them. I love Jamie Ivey's yeah. Jenna Kutcher. And then I love Christy Wright's Business Boutique. She works with 
or I guess she kind of got her claim to fame by working with Dave Ramsey. Oh, okay. But super love her podcast. It's another one that it's like everything's broken down. You can understand it. It's super encouraging for a new business owner. So obviously a lot of my things have to do with more like mom or um, business. That's kind of what I focus on more. Okay. Recent documentary. I watched Truth or Lies Waco, which was super interesting. I do like those. What is that? I like true crime documentaries. Um, Truth and Lies Waco is about a cult that used to reside just outside Waco. And oh, the Branch they, Davidians? Or the Branch Davidians, yes. And they had like a 40-something day standoff with yeah. um, the FBI and all that. It was just crazy. I can't believe that happened here. And there still well, are Branch see... Davidians. Oh, there are? Seriously? Yeah. Oh. And everything. Well, did you see, is it different than, there was that series, I don't even remember what channel it was on, but the Waco. I I know what you're talking about. It's different. Okay. So Truth and Lies is an actual documentary about everything. And Waco is like based off a true story type Yeah, that's more of a drama. And it's with Taylor Kitsch, I think that's his name, who's like, he he was on Friday Night Lights. He was, um, yes. what's his name? I want to watch it so bad. But I don't know what channel it comes on, and I don't have cable or well, anything. So. I don't have cable either. My mom does, but and she recorded one episode for me, and then she forgot to record the rest. So I've only seen the first episode. Oh, no. <laughs> and it was really good. So I want to see all of them. It's, it's crazy, though. Yes, like, it's interesting. Yeah, it's it's crazy. But Taylor Kitsch did such a good job. And he lives in Austin, too. I kind of have a celebrity crush on him. He's super cute. <laughs> um, Maybe you'll see him. <laughs> Yeah, that's what I'm hoping. I didn't tell you this before, but the last time I was in Austin, I said this on Instagram once. The last time I was in Austin, I saw – do you watch Gilmore Girls? I have tried to get into it, and I just can't get like past it? the first three episodes. Okay. Well, I don't I know. They were just so slow. But, they, they, you know. oh, once you get past, like, One the first season, it's good. Did you see Dean in the very first – like, the first three episodes? Yes. That's her – boy, the younger girl's boyfriend. So he yes. – He's on Supernatural, too. Um, I forget his actual name. But he owns a bar in Austin. We just so happened to walk into the bar, and he's there. I didn't know he owned it. I thought he was just hanging out by himself in a bar. There's a lot of celebrities in Austin. It's crazy. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, I was so excited. I was so nervous. I couldn't even say anything to him. So my husband (laughs) went up and said something to him for me. (laughs) Uh, He was so nice and yeah, he was great. So I'm hoping I see another celebrity when I'm there. <laughs> uh, maybe it'll be Chip and JoJo, though. That would be even better. <laughs> I know, right? One day. <laughs> One day. My goal is to – they do a celebration, like a vendor event, twice a year. It's called Celebration. It's in the fall. And spring at the silos in the spring. And they invite oh, all yeah. these, like, small business owners or – I feel like bigger small business owners. I don't know. But you have to be invited to set up okay. a booth there. And my goal is by spring at the silos 2019 okay. that they will invite me for a booth ah, there. Oh, there you go. That's a great so, goal. I love that. Mm-hmm. Very cool. We shall see. Yeah. Uh, are there any other brands or products besides your own that you're really loving lately? Um, I'm really into natural organic makeup. Yeah. So I was actually a model for a company called Root, R-O-O-T. I always want to say Root Pretty because that's their website. <laughs> um, but I love their makeup. But I also started using a organic or a natural lip velvet from a company called Cloven Hollow. Hallow. I can't ever remember theirs. Clove and Hallow. That's what it is. So I really like matte lipsticks. That's probably been my newest addiction. Okay. Yeah. But theirs is natural. And obviously when you have lipstick on your lips, you're licking it off your lips. So if I'm going to be licking it off my lips, I want something that's not toxic. Yeah. Um, So yeah. Clove and Hallow and Roots. And they're both toxin-free brands. Yes. I love Roots Foundation. Okay. That's so good to know because I just recently decided I was like, I think I want to try to be toxin-free completely. I actually heard a podcast episode about it and how it it's thought to maybe be one of the reasons why infertility rates are so high among people our age and I was like oh okay that's scary and you know I've heard before like even in the last podcast episode I did we were talking about how much 
your skin absorbs the things you put on it. And so why Mm -hmm. even buying organic clothing is important. And I was like, okay, this is, this is kind of scary. So I want to try to switch to just toxin free, like, you know, perfumes and makeups and all that kind of stuff, but it's not that easy to find. So I love those recommendations. That's perfect. Yeah. Uh, Root also has a like tinted lip balm that I love. I have several of them, but there's one named Mila named after my daughter. And then they also have an eyeshadow named after me. Oh my gosh. (laughs) That's so cool. So yeah. If you get any of those products, try those. (laughs) Okay. Good to know. Thank you. Um, okay. How about with your business or maybe even outside the business? You said you have a lot going on right now. You said you are just starting photography, right? On Mm -hmm. the side. So are you going to have like a company name for that? It's going to be Brianne Johnson Photography. I went back and forth. I'm like, do I choose a name? And I was like, nope, I'm just going to be me. I want something just me. So Brianne Johnson Photography, I kind of have more of a lifestyle look to my pictures. Um, So I want to do that in a mix of like maybe eventually helping different businesses with product photography, headshots, like website work, that sort of thing. And then my podcasts. Um, definitely yeah. creative creative outlet. Yeah. I don't know. Really, it's summer, so just creatively exploring. Yeah. <laughs> I'm and ready to, like, just go to Austin. I want to go float the river in New Brunswick. I yes. have a whole summer bucket list. Yeah. Oh, I love that. That's so fun. Yeah, you go to Barton Springs, right? That's in Austin. Yeah, I haven't been there. And I think there's, like, Hamilton Hamilton's Pool. I don't know. There's so many places. Texas is full of, like, so many hidden gems. Yeah. It's hard to keep track of where they are. Yeah. Or what they are. Yeah. Oh, okay. That's, yeah, I love that. Well, and you'd said you could give me some recommendations for Waco. So maybe I'll share those with the yeah. public too, in case anybody finds yes. themselves in Waco. <laughs> I love it. All right. How can people connect with you? So a couple different ways. My Instagram handle for me personally is at Brian Johnson, B-R-E-A-N-N-E. Um, and then for the business, it's Salt and Light Trading Co. And the website's the same as that, saltandlighttradingco.com. Awesome. Well, we will be looking up. Are you going to do stuff for your photography business just on your personal Instagram, you think? Yeah, I think so. Okay, cool. And it's so hard to keep track with multiple yeah. um, media accounts. So yeah. I'm pretty sure the podcast will be kind of on my own, but also on Salt and Light. Okay. And then my photography will be on my personal one. Okay. Yay. I can't wait to see it. (laughs) Such a hard balance. I could have a whole business podcast interview too. Yeah, I know. Seriously. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I love it. It's fun to see how much you're doing and how you're balancing it all. And it makes me feel better because I feel crazy sometimes for starting this. So I like that you're, you're crazy too. So I like it. It does feel crazy (laughs) at times, but it's fun. Like how... How fun is a safe life? And no, it's not. It's boring. So why not be crazy and make it fun and exciting? But here's the thing. I love adventure, but I don't like chaos. Yeah. So there's still a lot of work in like figuring out how to maintain the crazy so it doesn't feel chaotic. Absolutely. (laughs) Yeah. Well, it seems like you're doing a pretty good job. So thanks for coming on and telling us all about ethical fashion. It's so good to keep talking about this. And I just really appreciate your honesty with it, too. Just like you're you're not perfect at it, but you're striving to get there. And I think what you're doing for people in other countries, too, is awesome. So thanks for what you do and for sharing about it. Thank you for having me. And last thing you mentioned earlier, you're like, what if you have your own show? We just got an email from our hosting website, which is Shopify. Everybody, I'm sure, knows Shopify. And it's asking for people to apply for a documentary series. So I'm going to get off this call and go apply for it. Oh, my gosh. That could be the next thing. (laughs) I love it. That's so awesome. That's great. Well, we'll we'll be keeping an eye out for that. So let us know what happens. Fingers crossed. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thanks so much, Bree. It was so fun talking to you. Thank you.
I don't know what I was more excited about after recording this episode. If it was going to be supporting Salt and Light or if it was going to be going to check out Waco. Because doesn't it sound awesome? I know that you love Brianne and her heart to serve and her heart to change the world. And I hope that you got a lot out of this conversation. I really loved how Brianne explained that supporting businesses like hers can actually be better than just making a donation. I love that I can buy a cute shirt and feel good about it. I also really appreciated her honesty with the fact that we can't always buy fair trade. For some of us, it's not always going to be in the budget and it's not always going to be available as it's growing in popularity. So her advice for trying to shop secondhand first, which I am a huge fan of, and also just supporting local small businesses. I think those are two great points and our world would definitely be a better place if we could try to shop in these ways. I was also blown away with all the things that Brienne takes on. I swear, I don't know how she has time for it all, but she is rocking it. She's doing the photography thing, she's doing her podcast still, and her business is going well. In fact, she has already accomplished one of the goals that she mentioned. Remember how she said she wanted to get invited to the celebration by 2019? Well, let me tell you, I was talking with her just a couple days ago, and she has already been invited to the celebration that is taking place next week. Now, she's pretty stressed out, so keep her in your prayers, but I'm so excited for her, and I love seeing how quickly things are growing because I know just how much of a difference she is having on our planet. I really hope you enjoyed this conversation and got a lot out of it. Make sure you check out all the links from the show that I've listed in the show notes, which you can view on this app that you're listening to or on my website, heartfelthippie.com. While you're over there, I would love it if you would consider leaving a review or a rating. Five stars would really help me out, but I will take anything you will give. And make sure you stay tuned for my next episode releasing in two weeks, where I am talking with my new friend, Diamond, who is a business owner and a single mom. I was super inspired by this conversation, and I know you're going to love it. I can't wait to share it with you, so make sure you stay tuned, and make sure you're subscribed to the show, too, so you can get it as soon as it's released. Until then, make sure you go check out all the things Brianna's is doing. Go give her podcast a listen. Go give her Instagram a follow. And check out Salt and Light's website because I'm sure you'll find something on there that you just adore and you can put on your Christmas wish list. Or hey, maybe you can just get it for yourself now. I'm not going to tell anybody. Keep thinking about how you can change the world and keep seeking to get enlightened. Peace out.